I remember I was doing job description work with Red Lobster. We changed their dishwasher, the host, the server. All we did was change the ads, and it changed their applicant flow so much. Welcome to the Mile Wide View of Talent Acquisition Podcast. I am Mike Inger. I'm your host. In this episode, we continue with our conversation with Andrew Gadomsky about the power of data in talent acquisition. Andrew is the founder and managing director of Aspen Analytics and is a well-known commentator on everything to do with data. He's also a bona fide data scientist to boot. In the first half of our conversation with Andrew, we got some compelling do's and don'ts for analytics. We'll resume with a discussion of what hiring metrics you should be using to keep your business on track. I think that there are a handful of core metrics and, and KPIs that I think are interesting to constantly look at. I think that you need to be able to measure metrics around capacity. How many vacancies do we have and then how are they distributed amongst our core group of people who are then responsible for them? So positions per recruiter or openings per recruiter. You want to understand how long vacancies are open. You want to understand the general throughput from applicants to evaluations, to interviews, to offers, to to yeses, you want to understand those conversions, not so much because one conversion is better than another. You just want to understand the consistency of your service, mm. right? So, so you can understand, are there areas of improvement? And you can always benchmark and do that kind of thing. Jerry Crispin asked me today, he says, is there a standard for where I should get these conversion metrics from? And I'm like, there isn't a standard. I mean, I can tell you that 16% of applicants are usually seen one way or the other by a hiring manager. That, that number's been around for a while. 15%, 16%, 17%. The more important thing is whether or not you've got volatility in that number. If your number is going up and down, up and down, up and down, why? Why don't you have a lot more consistency? Does that mean that you're bad at writing job descriptions? Or you're putting your advertisements in the wrong place? Or... Your assessments aren't qualifying candidates the way they should consistently. So are there standard metrics that, that all companies should be looking at as they're looking at their talent acquisition? Or is it really a function of the company need, the company process, whatever? I, I would say you want to measure speed. You want to measure bandwidth. You want to measure diversity. You want to measure, I think, impact to the business is a question that or talent acquisition departments within companies struggle with is, are you keeping a team occupied? Do you have very good occupancy in that small group? I mean, Mike, you've, you've got this history of working with really large organizations. You know, no one operates at 100,000 employees at a time. Right. You operate in teams of five to four, you know, five to 50. So you want to say, well, think of all the people that you engage with during a period of a month and then multiply that by three. That's your team size, right? And well, what percentage of that team is occupied? And, you know, if talent acquisition was to keep every single team at 95% occupancy, rather than chasing the requisitions down based on when they opened and based on the squeaky wheelness, 
you would have a very different operating concept inside a business. Can you imagine having 60% occupancy for safety management or quality management, frontline supervision? Yeah, right, right. Where's you but, you your focus, but you're focused on filling the filling the jobs for the admins for you know whatever. Right. It's like, you know, well, this is important because so-and-so has said so. And it's like, wait a minute, time out. We I've got significant vacancy in frontline supervision problems. And people say, well, that's not important. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure engagement safety of our employees, engagement with our associates, and making sure that we're reducing overtime is actually really important to our earnings statement. And I got 10,000 shareholders who agree with me. It's now you've taken the data and you've turned it into a dialogue that is all of a sudden, why do we have the right people looking at this data? Because that dialogue is a different dialogue with the chief executive, with the board, right? We hunt for people because we have to keep our teams safe. And by the way, when the street is asking what we should be looking at for measurement, there's, there's a whole bunch of human capital analytics. There's a whole standard. Uh, there's an ISO standard. It's like 52 different metrics that are across human capital analytics. So what should we measure? There's 14 or 15 of them that are related to recruitment and mobility. Every single major company should be able to track those 14 or 15. They should be able just to rattle them off, right? This is how long our vacancies are open. This is how long our critical vacancies are open. And oh, by the way, you should be able to tell the street our critical vacancies get done first, get done fast, and are rarely open. And then you say, and here's our data. Well, wait a minute. I used to just do it by averages. You don't want to average your your time to fill together. Yeah, you want to be able to break. Yeah, it becomes meaningless. Critical versus non-critical and say, look, I'm not so concerned about these non-critical occupations where we can afford to have vacancy. Oh, by the way, we haven't increased overtime in those areas. <laughs> you know, we're okay. <laughs> but yeah, our critical jobs, yeah, we got offers out within 30 days. You know, Andrew, you and I could go on and we have forever and ever. Let me ask you one more question. What would be three things you would tell a company to start doing that they're not doing when it comes to to their data? And what are three things you would tell a company to stop doing that they probably are doing? So three things that they should start doing that they're probably not doing. Yep. By hook or by crook, I don't care how you do it, figure out a way to reliably log who and when you interview. Put it in a system. I interviewed Mike Yinger on what day is today? February 7th. <laughs> okay. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but at least figure out a way where that is in a system where if I asked you a month from now, how many people did we interview on February 7th? You could at least tell me the number. Figure that out. Because if you can do that, you can understand diversity pretty fast on who you interview versus who you hire. You can understand diversity of slate. You can understand how many hiring managers are probably involved in the interview process just based on volume alone. So if you're not doing that, 
Do that today. That's number one. The next thing I would do is try to have a very different job ad than job description. Job ads are designed to make sure that the right people see your company and see the job and understand that I feel motivated to apply to this job. And that may not be the same thing as a position description where you list all the knowledge, skills, abilities, and tasks that that an individual needs to do to be competent in their role. So have those separate. And and if if you're not going to do that for everything, take a look at all the hires that you did last year. And there's probably like eight positions that account for like 60% of your hires. I remember I was doing job description work with Red Lobster. We changed their dishwasher, the host, the server. All we did was change the ads and it changed their applicant flow so much. And it was like, you know, they hire all kinds of people, but in their restaurants, they hire basically four or five key positions. So job ads different than job descriptions. And I think count your interviews. And then I think the last thing I would do is whatever you think is an aggressive offer make it more aggressive. Yeah. Okay. So I I think that there's this hesitancy to buy candidates right now. The cost of the unoccupied role exactly. starts to wear on an organization. And, and I'm not talking about the really big jobs, like the really big jobs, the senior vice presidents, they work themselves out. Right. But the majority of your jobs that are paying less than in wages a year. Be aggressive because it's hard for people to take a job even now and then leave right away, right? So you've got to get people to accept. So be more aggressive now because the concept of, well, I'll wait for the next candidate who will save me $5,000, that data model doesn't compute now. You can save $5,000 by having them start a week later or two weeks later. Just get the job filled. Let's take a short break from this conversation and talk about dealing with business problems. I've known Adrian Wolcock for a number of years. He's the managing principal of Presidian Consulting, where they look at their work from the lens of what it takes to get things done. Whether for enterprise or government, Presidian Consulting brings the best talent to areas like risk management, compliance, business process, IT effectiveness, engineering, sustainability, and human capital. They work from a solution-centric approach. They work locally and globally, all with an eye on solving problems and improving client operations. You can find them on the web at www.prosidian.com. And now back to our show. Okay, so those are three things you should do. Three things you should stop doing. Yeah. Three things you should stop doing right now. So stop counting requisitions. Not all requisitions are created equal. Mm. So this concept that, well, that person's carrying 15 recs and that person's carrying 15 recs, thereby they have the same amount of work. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> Not even stop. close. Not even Not close. How relationships. That's a little harder, but a better one. If you're giving a recruiter work to do, who they're managing, there's a lot of consensus in that group. They have larger interview panels. Maybe there's more than one position per requisition. Realize they can only manage so many relationships with people on any given week. So someone who's managing 15 requisitions, but a hundred candidates and 25 hiring managers is clearly has a different job than someone who's got 15 requisitions across 15 hiring managers and 50 candidates. So really take a second look at, okay, how many candidates do we normally get for these types of jobs? How many, how many interviews do we have to kind of handle to get jobs done in this group? Assign work that way. So stop counting, you know, assuming that because they carry this many requisitions, this is how much work they have. That's not the case. Um, second thing that you should stop doing, stop posting the job right away. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, my God. Yeah. In, in a talent-strapped market, the last thing you do is post a job. So we have this we have this movement. Okay, I have to get the job into the applicant tracking system, and now I got to post, and now I got to wait to see if people apply, and all this other stuff. And then, you know, you got the talent board has been talking about candidate experience for the past part of a decade, yeah. and say, well, we can't seem to solve this problem. I'm like, I'll tell you how to solve this problem. Stop saying no to a bunch of people. First thing you do, you have a job, get it internally posted. Look at the referrals. Look at people who are silver medalists and do those things and then say, do I even need to invite any more applicants whatsoever? Do I need to create more work for my recruiters? Because as soon as I post a job, I create work. I create angst and I potentially create a brand, a brand problem if I don't get back to the 70, 80 people who apply. So post a job when you need candidates, not because it's necessarily we, when you need candidates, post the job. If you're look, if you're if you're the federal government, if you if you have to do public announcement because you're a federal contractor, that's different. I'm not talking about that. But if you don't need applicants, I don't know why you posted the job. If you're talking about, well, we try to move people internally into jobs like this, why the hell did you put it outside the box? Fine. Go to your succession plan. Find somebody who says, oh, look, these are three high performers. They've been in the role for three years each. Let's call up their managers and say, we have an opening. Um, we'd like to interview all three of our people. Oh, but... I like all three of those people. They do a great job for me. Yes, I understand, but you're not the owner of this business. You're just an employee like everybody else. We try to make sure that our people have upward mobility. So that's the second thing. Stop posting everything. You should open a job, see if anybody internally applies, have the team go through the applicant tracking system and the community that they manage, 
See if anybody like is good, invite a bunch of people to apply selectively, wait a week. Hey, look, we got four people who are interested in this job. Great, interview them. Never post it. Why? Why? Okay. <laughs> it's like stop the madness. It's like the sink. Hey, look, the sink is overflowing. Well, shut off the water. Last thing. If you're not mobile, oh my God. Pretty please with cherries on top. Stop assuming that your application process is good. No. Everyone should sometime this weekend apply for a job on their phone to their own company, oh, yeah. potentially in their own unit. There's this weird denial that, oh, well, we must have a really good way of finding jobs. Like, people must really know, like, how to, like, apply. And, like, uh, unless you know, you don't know. So I would stop assuming that your process is easy or that your process is without friction or, or, or. So instead, go apply for one of your own jobs. You want evidence? Use your phone. Hit the, yeah. the stopwatch. Yeah. Sure. And say, go. And then say, how long do I think it should take for someone who is a good candidate to tell us about themselves and apply for one of our jobs? You have like a number in your head? Then go ahead and do it and see how different it is. Go apply for your boss's job. And then go see if you can find it on Indeed. Go see if you can find it on Monster. Go see if you can find it on CareerBuilder, ZipRecruiter, wherever you think you, it should be. And then you say, well, hey, um, how come our, our jobs aren't in these locations? Oh, we don't do that. Why? So those are, those are, those are things I would, I would advise to do and not do. You know, as we wrap this up, Andrew, a, a fascinating set of do's and don'ts that you just put in there, and it and it really falls in line with everything else we've been talking about, that data underlies everything. If you don't measure it, then how do you know if it's working or not? And most of the advice you just gave is process-related, except to actually be able to understand the process you got to be looking at the data that's behind it in the first place. That's right. Uh, I'll close with this. I get the question that you asked, which is what should you be measuring? I would say for most of our organizations, we have the ability to measure over a hundred things pretty quickly. Yeah, sure. And they're like, well, why would you ever measure that many things? I'm like, because I also know by measuring these two things, I can learn a lot about why these four things aren't working well. I don't, and you have to let the data talk to you, right? The only way to know is you measure a lot of things and then you find where the flutter is. You find where the exceptions are. You find out what's normal. And then you can say, you know, no. I had a client ask, you know, why are we doing all this branding work? I'm like, well, during this time where everyone's resigning, the rest of your competitors are having lower applicant rates, are you aware that you've kept up with your applicant rates globally in every function? Or like, what do you mean? I said, you haven't 
dropped off on your applicants. The whole world is dropping off on applicants. You guys are spending a couple of grand a week, you know, multi-billion dollar business, a couple of grand a week on LinkedIn, and you haven't had a fall off. Can you imagine if you had a thousand managers all whispering to the CEO, we don't have enough applicants? You don't have that problem. But how much did that problem, how much did that solve, how much did that cost us? A quarter million dollars a year is an easy justification, right? But you have to have all that data there. Say, this is why and how it's working. Exactly. It's, it's you got to have the data to, to be able to understand the issue and be able to communicate on it. Right. And by the way, if you don't make any hires, all of this doesn't matter anyway. It's just, <laughs> well, yeah, you, the, the results, right? There's the results right. as, as opposed to simply the activity. Right. You, you got to have the results to show for it. Andrew, tell people how to get a hold of you. Andrew at AspenAnalytics.io is the is uh, my email address. That's an easy one to to, to get to. Eight three three TLK Data Talk Data is our phone number, and uh, I'm out there on LinkedIn. If you guys know Mike, you know uh, just uh, shoot me a LinkedIn or do an intro through Mike. I'm I'm a little hesitant to always take anybody on LinkedIn, but uh, um, make sure uh, you just reference Mike and I'm happy to talk to anybody. Well, Andrew, thank you for your time today. I, we will be talking again about data. It's, it's a fascinating subject and one that continues to add value to the organization. Appreciate the work that you're doing and uh, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks a lot. And a special thanks to our episode sponsor, Presidian Consulting, helping forward-thinking clients solve problems and improve operations. Look them up at www.prosidian.com. For more information about your host, look me up on LinkedIn under Michael Yinger. We look forward to sharing with you the mile-wide field of talent acquisition. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to get notification when an episode is posted. We'll see you the next time.